0: Bill just got that shit, man. Yeah. He got that direct line to the football guys. Like he said,
1: "Hey, <laughs> he turned the rain hey, on." Hey,
0: more coming to town, man. Y'all think I can get a fucking tsunami? <laughs> it's all right, back. It is tsunami, Bill. Back.
1: Happy Wednesday, everybody! Uh, this is the Greenlight Pod. I'm your host Chris Long, and I have a jam-packed show for you today. So I'll get out of the way. I've got keeb Tlaib and Matthew McConaughey. Where else can you get Akib Tlaib and Matthew McConaughey? Nowhere. Not in the same pod. Here's what happened. We 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 had Matthew McConaughey on the books for a while, and uh, it was election week when we ran it. So uh, you know, a lot of you guys have have heard this uh, this pod. It's about his new book, Green Lights. And a whole lot more. I had a lot of fun doing it. It was a lot of fun, uh, you know, hearing some of the feedback from some of the folks who listened to it. Uh, But because of the the craziness of that week, uh, we just figured we rerun it on the back end of a football pod. Um, So here's your Hump Day Pod. Akib Talib, who just joined Fox's uh, color commentary team, Uh, he is doing color commentary. Uh, every Sunday, it looks like, uh, on NFL on Fox. He did his debut this weekend with Dan Helley. Dan and him had the Washington Detroit game, and you know, when I interviewed Akib, it was one of those things where I was like, you know, what are you thinking coming into this game? Because it's Washington Detroit, it's, it, it's a game that you might look at as like a training wheels game, but it ends up being incredibly exciting, and and really, Quite frankly, it got a little nuts at the end there with the Chase Young penalty uh, with Alex Smith. His first start uh, out of his own end zone under two minutes to go. Doing enough for them. Multiple penalties on that drive to create a field goal opportunity. They kick the field goal. Detroit gets it back with like no time left. The Chase Young penalty that I I mentioned Sunday night and just a moment ago. The roughing call. Put the ball on the fringes of uh, Prater's range. And he booted the fuck out of a football and it sliced right in between the uprights for the win in Detroit. Detroit's first win I think at home this year. So, Akib thought he had overtime coming and, uh, and he didn't. He had uh, maybe one of the most dramatic finishes Sunday that you didn't see. And I thought he did a great job. I've known Akib for a long time. We were, we, we came out the same year. Uh, he was Kansas guy, I was a Virginia guy. Uh, and we shared a couple trips. I think uh, Playboy All-American trip, we, the whole crew went out to Tucson, I think it was, to hang out and party for a couple nights, and we got to be recognized. There were guys like James Lernitis, Tommy Blake, Calais Campbell, uh, EJ Henderson, Tlaib, myself, Deshaun Jackson, I mean, I got the picture, I look back, Jake Long, and only a few of us were left. Uh, every year I'd look at that picture in my office, and there were just a couple of us left, and Akeeb and Calais Campbell were two guys that had some of the best careers out of our draft class. I thought, you know, up front, um, Calais was was the guy. Tlaib, and Cliff Averill was awesome, too. Um, Cliff and I battled it out as rushers in the NFC West for a long time, but Calais, to me, was the gold standard in that class, and Tlaib might have been the gold standard on the back end. I'd have to look back and, and see who else was in that class, but... uh Awesome player, part of some great defenses. Man, no fly zone. Uh, he had a stint in LA. Had a stint in New England, obviously. A uh, lot of fun watching him play over the years. And you almost forgot about the fact that he played for the Bucks, right? He played for the Bucks first. Um, great player, and uh, he's he's doing his thing in the booth now. And what I love about you know hearing him and a lot of other former players. You know, I mentioned Pat McAfee getting in the booth and doing college games. He's calling it like a wrestling match, right? It's different. It's not your cookie-cutter shit. Talib is going to talk to you like you're in the living room with him. And I've always said this. You learn the most from watching old players watch a game. And I think a lot of times I could imagine when you've got all the pressure of what goes into being a booth guy bearing down on you, You don't experiment, you don't lean into who you are, and you try to do, you know, you color inside the lines. And I think, I suspect that you probably spend so much time thinking about how do I say it? Uh, When do I say it? And you don't say what's on your mind and you don't assert the knowledge that you've accumulated over a long career. And I love the way Tlaib went out and uh, called that game Sunday. The cadence was great. And the back-end knowledge is awesome. For somebody who played in the D-line for for his entire career and didn't pay attention to what was going on behind him, I'm learning football on the back-end. It's nice when you can absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, trust the guy that's calling the game to tell you what's going on in coverage. He also did something at the end of that game that I thought was awesome. They asked him about a holding call in the secondary in that drive. He said, I didn't see it. I think that's great. Didn't see it. I wish they'd teach uh, every other color commentator um, how to say those four words. I didn't see it. Or I don't know. That's three. Um, I thought he was great. So without further ado, let's get to Akib Tlaib, fresh off his first Sunday performance for NFL on Fox in the booth. All right, so Akib's here. It's been a long time, man, and we've come a long way since Playboy All-American circa 07. Was that? It yeah. <laughs> Dude. It looks like we made it. That was, of, that
0: was a lot of fun, by the way, though. Yeah, it was a good trip. Man, that was a good trip. Me and Deshaun was just talking about that trip, man. We got some old footage from it and everything, but yeah, that Dude, was the one.
1: I go through the picture sometimes and try to pick everybody out, and we, we lasted a while, man. Calais, Calais is still rolling. Still rolling. He's still rolling. I don't know how he's doing it, man. Uh, shout out to uh, Calais Campbell. He's, he's been an oh, Ironman and a really great player. I think he might be a Hall of Famer.
0: I think so, too. I think so, too, man. Just, you know, the body of work that he put together.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, the, it always take them years. You almost, you talk Hall of Fame, you got to be in them double-digit years. You got to sure. be a starter for double-digit years to for get sure. them numbers. And, you know, the wins and the chips and stuff, that that account for stuff. Your, your leadership in the locker room. Yeah. I feel like all that stuff come into play. And Calais got it, man. Yeah. That, that book that book is filled, for sure.
1: The book is filled. And the book is just getting started for you post-career, man. I had heard some some rumblings that you would be in the booth, and it kind of came up on on us quick. I popped on the game the other day. I told you offline. I thought you did a great job, man. It was awesome to hear one of my guys doing the yeah. uh, the suit thing, man, so to speak. But uh, your debut with Dan Helley on Fox for the people listening, it was Washington Detroit, and you're thinking, okay, this is a this is kind of my training wheels game. It's it's the, you know this isn't a huge game, but it could be exciting. You get a 21-point comeback, and you get Alex Smith out of his own end zone running a two-minute drill with the game on the line. Man. I mean, how much more exciting was that than you expected?
0: Man, it was – It was. I had a feeling, though. I don't know what it was, Chris. I'm like, watch. This is going to be some type of overtime yeah. game. Just, It's going to be some crazy <laughs> shit. I, I just – I don't know what it was. I swear. The whole time, I just had a feeling like it's going to be something crazy about this game, and look look what we got, man. My dog, Prate hit the game winner. Prater. Man. You called game, it. You
1: called man. it too. You called it, which was which was money. Cause you you were like, listen, if they if they get ten yards here, I saw him in pregame. You had the pregame kick down and everything. That was a good call back and you nailed it. It was cool. He hit it too. I was like, come on, Pray, just hit it for me, baby. I want <laughs> I,
0: I I want to cheer for you right now. <laughs> he hit that thing though, man. So it was a good time, man. I enjoyed it, man. It's uh for the most part, that's that's what I wanna do. I wanna see if I got in the booth, if I enjoyed it. You know what I'm saying? And Shit, it started off, you know, it started off rough. I'm trying to find places to talk, and the producers talking in this here, the game going in this here. It was like it was a lot at first, but I think I kind of slowed down, found a rhythm, and shit, I had a great time, man. Dude,
1: absolutely. When I when I when I popped on, you were you were in a rhythm completely, and uh, I want to get to the game day mechanics, but just the way that game ended. You know what I love. Because I'm a a front end guy, you know, like I watch the game from the front back, you know, because that's the way I played it. Obviously you watch the game from the outside in, I would assume, but I love when I can watch a game and learn about coverage from a guy that played. And just in that three minute period, I learned a lot just listening to you. And you know, you talked about Matty P opting for man, that's more him on that last drive, playing the soft zone. These are things that us football players might know as givens with a big lead and that sort of thing. But they let the fan in. And I wonder, cause Trufant had two big penalties on that last drive. Is it hard for you as a defensive player, as a DB? Because I know DBs, they never think it's PI on the defense. Is it hard for you? Is it gonna be hard for you to call it like pretty neutral down the middle on those 50-50 I calls? I
0: don't, I don't think so, man. It's hey, I'm in it for you know, I am just here to do my job, baby. I ain't in to make no <laughs> friends or nothing like that. You feel me? I got enough friends. So I'm gonna call it how I see it. If he PI'd him, I would have said, Oh, yeah, he there, he's too early but That's I just I feel like he was there early. I felt like it was a great play. So I, agree, I, think, I, agree. Man, I, think I could be pretty, pretty straight down the middle with it. Now my decisions might be biased just cause I look at it from a defense. You know what I'm saying? But if it's a flag, I'm going to say it's a flag. If it's not, I'm going to say, I don't think it is.
1: Here's one of the hard parts. And I've had trouble with this podcasting. Cause like people want to come to you. Like my value I add is I I'm honest. I fucking call it how I see it. Okay. Right. And I'm, Sometimes I got to criticize my friends. Now there's a line there where you don't want to be make it personal or question somebody's effort or somebody's toughness. Those are the things my pops taught me about. What are the rules, dad? Like so as you because you're fresh out of the league and you know all these guys and that's that's something that Dan was talking about. You got buddies and coaching staffs and on the field. What what are what's your set of rules for how you criticize players cuz there's going to be moments where you're going to be up there and you're going to be like oh shit, that's one of my friends and he just fucked up. How are you going to criticize like when your friends get fuck up and you're like, oh shit, I got to criticize the buddy.
0: It, that's, you're right. That's the tough part. That's the tough part. But I feel like, man, us being in this profession, I think that's, we dealt with that all our life, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, we, we kind of used to that. You know what I'm saying? So as sometimes, like when I played, if I did something bad, if I did some good, if, if Deion Sanders would you know what I'm saying? Critique me a little bit. I kinda appreciate it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Deion Sanders telling me what I could have did better, what I can't do, where my eyes need to be, or you know what I'm saying? I I some some
1: critique I appreciate it. If you trust so it, I, if you trust I,
0: it. If I trust it, that's right. what I'm saying. If I trust it, I appreciate it. So so when I do it, man, I just try to do it in the way that that I'm teaching. Like, you know what I'm saying? He need to be at this landmark. He like I had to do it in the game, Jeff got hit. Jeff, Jeff Okuda. That's yeah. that's like I've known him since he was at Grand Prairie out here in Dallas at yeah. high school. Seen him go to O-State, seen him go to the league, number three pick. So, boom, he got hit on a little corner route or something and covered three. So I, so when I when I criticize him, I kind of do it in the way where I'm teaching him. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's supposed to be at this landmark. Yeah. So when he listening to me, he's like, all right, so maybe I need to call key and see what that landmark is and see where my eyes need to be. I, I'm not saying it in the way like, oh, Jeff, man, you terrible. That's a yeah. terrible – I just kind of do it in a way where I'm coaching him a little bit, you know what I'm saying? And I think they're appreciated that way.
1: Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. Um, and and to be honest, I haven't run into much. I mean, I've criticized some friends that that play for the Eagles. I mean, I'm still tight with all those guys, and I got buddies on the Rams and whatnot, and the Patriots. And like, listen, I'll, I I talk to Devin McCourty every week, but I'm gonna I'm gonna trash the Patriots some Sundays. I mean, it just kind of is what it is. It doesn't mean I'm making it personal, or I'm just being real realistic about what I see on the field. So that, that's a tough tightrope to walk. Was that exhausting Sunday? Cause like when Ronnie Lott made the transition into the booth, I remember my pops told me that Ronnie said, this shit was more exhausting and draining than playing a football game.
0: Hey bro, hey, it really was, bro. Was, <laughs> I say the first half, I feel like the second right. half I kind of got in the rhythm, I calmed down. I, I found myself enjoying the game cause right. it turned out to be a good ass game. <laughs> But that first half, I was like, "Ah oh, shit, it was it was so fast, I was standing up, it was just so fast it was kind of exhausting, man I'm like the game go way slower when I'm playing in the game, you know what I'm saying it right. felt like it way slower when I'm playing it was just going so fast, and it's it, it was, it was a moment where I'm even like, man, it's, it's, hold on, man. Like, am I in the right spot right now? Like it was frustrating? I'll say more, more frustrating than exhausting. You know what I'm saying? Well,
1: so how do you, how do you get like, cause this was one of my big things. I, I mean, it's scary. Nowadays is the scariest time to to do color commentary because you've been on the other side of where you were just scrolling your timeline. All anybody's doing is talking shit about the crew. Like right. everybody, it's not good enough for Twitter. Nothing's good enough for Twitter anyways, but God forbid they don't like the call. What about when you have a moment, like when we were on the field and we had a bad play, if somebody ran in my gap for 40 yards? I don't yep. have a choice. I got to get up and I got to set my jaw and exactly. I got to come back the next play. How do you do that in a booth? Do you know the moment where you fucked up and you're like, did you have a moment Sunday where you're like, yeah, oh, was, I feel terrible it, about that?
0: It was situations like that too, but it's similar to the game, bro. It, it goes so fast. If you mess up. Yeah. If the next play is coming and, you know what I'm saying, they talking to you in this area, you don't really have no time to dwell on the mess-ups, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So, man, preparing for that and, and doing that, commentating, it was so similar to playing, but I just wasn't playing. Right. It was like I was messing up and it was like, oh, I've, I got to move on, next play. Yeah. It was, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was just like that. And the pre- preparation for it, just watching the tape, how much tape I had to watch and things like that, man, it was it was super similar to playing, but but if I did find myself messing up, man, I just had to act like it ain't happening. Move on to the next play, just like if I was the, the if I was playing in the game.
1: How do you how do you walk the line between being you because you're in the booth because you're you, you know, like right. you're not in the booth because you're doing this cookie cutter. Uh, this these are the rules of color commentary. These are the ins and outs. And like like how do you walk the line between playing within the system, to use a football metaphor, and being to Tlaib?
0: Yeah, it was, it was, that was kind of tough too, because you know, shit, I'm from where I'm from. I talk how the fuck I talk. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I was kind of having to pull back in. You know what I'm saying? It was, <laughs> you got to
1: watch how you talk. Yeah, you don't did, wanna- you, did you <laughs> want to cuss ever? Because, like, when I do these live streams, like, I do live streams on Thursday night. They're for Twitch. They're for Amazon. So they're less buttoned up, and they tell me I can cuss. But I can't help it sometimes. Fuck is, like, the third word in my vocabulary. Hey, time, bro.
0: I, I love, my third word is worse than that. You know what <laughs> <man? It's, okay. laughs> It was, it was, It's was, okay, It was difficult, but I think me doing the podcast – well, I, I could cuss on the podcast, but, like, yeah. me doing NFL Network uh, all yeah. my time in 2018 and, and yeah. doing Fox stuff last year. I think doing a whole bunch of the TV stuff that I done, done so far – that kind of helped me, you know, stay filtered and and still though you still you want to you want to be somebody, you want to be yourself, but you want to be the professional version of yourself. Yeah, you know that's
1: all we're doing. doing. We're just buttoning it up a little
0: bit. Exactly, just buttoning <laughs> up a little bit. So man, it was it was it was a fine line that I had to walk. It definitely was a fine line that I had to walk, in, you know, be lead, but don't be too regular of a lead. Be 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 booth lead. You know yeah. what I'm I and I got boof lead. It's a it's a it's a it's a way I gotta talk. It's a way I gotta be way I got to present myself, man. So it was, that was one of the, that was one of the one of the boxes I had to check as well, man. Make sure my lingo was right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Make sure it was, But, but it was, I mean,
1: I think, I, I think, I think people like it. For anybody that was complaining about, keep talks to me like I'm in the living room. Like that's how I want to, and my thing exactly. was if anybody has a criticism for you, I say, did you learn something? Cause that should be all you care about. Cause I guarantee you learn more about him And and his experience in the league and coverages and that sort of thing, because we're not so obsessed with fitting in this cookie cutter system. Because I feel like guys have to spend half the time in the booth thinking about how to say what they need to say, rather than just say what they need to say. And that's why I think streaming and like watching games with like live watches and shit, where people are just sitting on a couch. That's the way I would I'd prefer to watch a game. You know, like three players watching a game. You learn more watching three old heads watching a game than you do watching TV by far. So, yeah, yeah I, I think it's awesome. I wonder if anybody ever tried to steer you in this process away from being you. And did you ever have to be like, no, nah, I'm going to be me and I'm going to bet on me. I'm going to do it my way.
0: Well, nah. see, no one never really told me how to be. Yeah. But I did an audition, right? I did an audition during the pandemic. I did it in my living room on Zoom. Yeah. So I did my audition and I know how I act. I know how I talked. I know who I was on that audition, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And shit, that was good enough to get me a game. So I'm like, shit, they must like what I did.
1: They definitely like what you
0: did. They must like the way I did it. That's like, this is my audition. All right. This the way I think I got to do it. You know what I'm saying? I'm butting up a little bit, but I'm still going to believe I'm going to call the game. How the fuck? I'm going to call the game. Yeah. You know I'm going to call what I see and talk what I know, and I'm going to do it like that. So it was good enough for – I looked at it like that. It was good enough for the audition, so it must be good enough for Fox.
1: And I think, to your point, I mean, like, I love watching players call games uh, because – there's the trade-off of you know, like normally when True got into it with about uh, with a, with a teammate on that last drive, and they were talking about help, and you you pointed out that he was talking about middle of the field help, and that's what they were arguing about. You right. know what a normal color commentator knows they're arguing. You know right. what they're arguing about. I know you know,
0: exactly. Well, as soon as it happened, I seen how he looked back. I knew exactly what he was saying. You've been in that I, argument. Yeah, I've been in that same argument. Where the fuck you at? So come back is like, man, he came low, bro. Your dude went high. It's third and three. I got the low one. And I'm like, man, I, this McLaurin, though, like, you know what I'm saying? So we, you know what I'm saying? I, I done been in that same exact yeah. conversation. So as soon as it was happening, I knew exactly what they were talking about. So things like that. I feel like little stuff like that. That's what that's what I could bring to the booth that a regular guy couldn't bring to the booth. You know what I'm saying? And just, you know, being fresh out of the game, knowing a lot of the guys on the field, man, I'm able to call Jeff before the game, call Dude the night before the game.
1: Yeah, like you that. can call uh, dude the night before the game cuz he's over yeah, there not, with it's, it's, with it's all little the
0: Patriots. Stuff like that, that I could, that I could bring to the booth that some other people can't bring to the booth.
1: So that's a question then. I mean, going to the production meeting side of things, like you you did a production meeting, right? This weekend. Yeah. Okay, so so for people listening, the game day crew always does a production meeting. That in the hotel like on a Saturday in the dead time when we get there like usually right off the bus. Yep. We go upstairs and meet with the guys in the suits. I, can, I, don't, I don't like calling you a suit, but like the, these players, there's only three, and maybe the head coach are going to get called in to talk to the crew that's going to commentate the game, and they glean right. some information. You remember a couple of weeks ago, Brian Greasy had something to say about what Nick Foles said about Matt Nagy not knowing how quick the rush was getting there. These yeah. are the things you got to be careful what you say to the production meeting folks, and it depends on how much you trust them, what's on the record, what's off the record. That's a dance. Do you feel like you have an advantage you know, like over guys that might be 10 years old or whatnot, because you know a lot of guys. You might be sitting in the hotel ballroom talking right. to three guys you played with.
0: Exactly, exactly. And I think I do. I think that, I think it kind of happened this week. You know what I'm saying? I just was talking to, we started off, we we started off talking to, I think, one of the corners, Amani. Yeah. We started off talking to Amani. Uh, and, uh, you know, I you know usually I play. They're like, oh, are you following? I'm like, man, y'all gonna see tomorrow. Y'all know coach don't want me to tell y'all right. if I'm following. Tomorrow. Right. right. Exactly. I'm like, what's up, y'all? What y'all got going? Y'all following him immediately was like, man, yeah, we following Keith. We uh, He was talking to me like I was his yeah. partner. Yeah. Even at the end of it, he was like, man, Keith, can I ask you a question, man? Is there anything that I can do, man, that you see? You've been watching tape on us. Anything that I can do to get better, man? Or even ask me a question, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, I, think, I think that plays a part. That play a part, too. I hey, even I was talking to Matt Patricia, too. Look,
1: yeah.
0: And I asked Matty P a question, like, all right, so, coach, y'all going to be following is, that, is y'all going to let him just follow or y'all going to lean that safety with a little bit of help or what? Then Matty P kind of was like, nah, kid, you got to just see the bro. He almost told me. He almost gave me the game right there. Yeah. I was close to getting the game from Matty P. But he, but so he was once like, you hear it, do you
1: d- is there? if you hear something in the production meeting, have you thought about this? If you hear something in the production meeting that you're like, okay, that guy slipped up and I could get him into some trouble, you got to walk the line, right, between, all right, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that off.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'm – I'm not going to use it to get nobody in trouble. I'm going to use it for myself, man. Yes. If there's some information that I could use. To prepare. To prepare, right. Yeah. If there's some information that I could use. So, I'm like, okay, boom. fine uh, following McLaurin. Like, yeah. that's just helpful for me. So, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Once the game's starting and we start talking about these guys, I start talking about True Fine. Oh, yeah, he going to have his hands full today. He going to be following McLaurin all day. That will leave money with the assignment to follow Cam Simpson. Just get me something to – you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, uh, you know, I'm a a player-friendly media guy at the end of the day. And you got
1: to be. And it's hard not to – it's hard. Sometimes you accidentally cross the line and you're like, no, I'm not that fucking guy – you can nah. trust me, that sort of thing, but it can nah, be I tough. I don't
0: think I be that guy. Yeah. I don't think I be the guy who will leak some shit like oh yeah, he said fuck Nagy on the low. I don't know if he was playing around, but yeah. if like he didn't see, <laughs> Like in the third quarter. Thing. I I'm, I'll never go on TV and use that part, man. That's just yeah, that's not what
1: I'm in it for. Once you do that and it looks purposeful. Guys don't trust you anymore. And it's it's, over, and it's over. It's over. It's well, over. Yeah. Who did you watch before you, you got in the booth? Do you like, you know, you watch tape of players. Who do you like listening to as color commentators over the years? Shit, you know, you you, you got to start with the best, right? You start with the best. The best is
0: dictated on that check. Yeah, the check. Got the highest check. Yeah, That's the best. So Of course, you start out watching Romo. Let me see how Romo do. Let me yeah. see after the plays, what he talk about. Blowouts, what he talk about. Close games. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm just – I started off with Romo. I watched Troy Aikman. I watched Charles Davis. I think them the three guys, I really – when I let the, the comment, the, the broadcast version of the game go, if I wasn't watching Detroit or, or uh, Washington, I was watching one of those guys' game, and I was listening to how they called the game.
1: If, you could, if you could do a play-by-play with anybody in history that's been in the booth, who would it be? Dead I mean, or alive? Man. You can go back to Pat Summerall, man.
0: Yeah, see, I, I'm thinking, you know, I'm like John Madden, but John Madden is the, is the, the color, color commentator, guy. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's not the play-by-play guy, yeah. but play-by-play guys, I'd probably definitely go Pat Summerall, man. He's a legend. He's a legend. Thank God. He's legend. Know what I'm yeah. saying? he was on the game for so long. So
1: That would bring us back uh, some nostalgic days playing Madden 04 I mean, I was playing like Madden '96. Some of these young people listening, you don't even yeah, know about me, Madden '96. You both, look, <laughs> you know, we're some old motherfuckers. How about game day mechanics? Okay, what's the biggest thing that shocked you? I know you got people in your ear. Where are you watching? How do you watch the game outside in? Do you watch the field? Do you watch a monitor? What's going on in the booth to tell people right. how nuts it is?
0: So, game day mechanics. You got you got your you got your monitor right here. This is what everybody's seeing at home. Yeah. Then I got my stats monitor right here. Ooh, got to stack. I got my All-22 monitor right here. Then <laughs> I got my Telestrator monitor right here. Yeah. So, like I said, at the beginning of the game, I'm like, shit, am I going to watch the All-22? Yeah. Am I watching the game right here? But I kind of was trying to find a rhythm. But the rhythm I found that worked for me is, shit, I just watched the game from the booth. I watched the field. On the I, field. Could see, I could see the disguises. I really watched the defense. I'm seeing the disguises. I'm seeing if they blitz. I watch the offense personnel, so I get the offense kind of like I did in the game. In the game, I never waited for the coach to give me the personnel. Yeah. I just look at their sideline. I see who come in the game, see who go out. Hey, twenty-one. I always had the personnel before they sent it in. Right. I was the personnel dude on our team, yeah. so I always pay attention to their sideline. So I kind of did that. I see, okay, band eleven. I know what the defense is. In, then at the defense, I kind of see where guys moving at, what coverage they is. Oh, did they blitz? Did they not blitz? And what coverage they was in? So I could have that. I got that down packed before the replay even comes. Right. So then I kind of see what they in, see if they blitz, and then, boom, I switch to the offense real quick and see if it's a run or a pass. Or... That was my flow, I found. I had to break down the defense, and then when the ball snap, kind of get on the offense and watch whatever I'm going to watch. So,
1: do they yell at you while you're talking, or do they wait for you to, yeah, like...
0: You got a producer in one ear. Yeah. So if you see the game, it was, like, early in the game, Adrian Peterson was in. He first got in the game. He had, like, two runs, and then... I'm finna comment on these runs because I know how I've been watching. I see how they use Adrian Peterson. They, they bring the big guys in. They yeah. give them the ball or they fake it to them. Boom, they take shots mm-hmm. right out the gate. They fake it to them. Boom, took a shot, hit it. Oh, I was ready to talk. So I started. Boom, they <laughs> hurried up or something. Yeah. They hurried up. They didn't know if it was a catch. So I talked my, my TV coach, Jerry Madeline. He like, don't talk over the ref. Don't talk over the snap. Mm-hmm. So I started. I started a thought and then boom, they hurried up, got to the ball. I stopped it. And I'm like, damn. Mm-hmm. damn, I'm sitting here like, damn, shit, should, I should have finished that. It's kind of quiet now. I'm like, fuck. That was one of the moments. I'm like, all right, next play, man, let's just go. Then they gave the ball to Adrian Peterson. He had like a 15, 12-yard run. So, boom, I'm like, all right, I'm going to hop in and finish that thought. Yeah. Then you hear him right in the middle. I'm saying, well, Adrian Peterson, they like the brain. Then the producer coming to air, let's go to Carissa for a game break. Ah. I'm like, shit. So, it's like, oh, I had to stop my thought again. So, you definitely you gotta just find that rhythm, man. You got the game what people hear at home in this ear. Then you got your producers in this ear, and they talk over you. He give you a countdown and everything, man. So you gotta be on your shit. You just gotta get used to talking over what you hear in your ear. That's I had to get used to that.
1: I don't think people realize how how many things are going on in people's heads, and like, they, and they're saying, okay, we're getting out, we're going to commercial, we got a break right now. Like, okay, hey, hey you want this stat on Adrian Peterson? Here, here's a stat on him. Like, I know that we there's a lot the replay of replay
0: on this. We got yeah. to the replay. Here, you got about 15 seconds. You want to draw it up on the telestrator now. We can we we'll come to it after this play. So I'm the, another play going. I'm drawing up the last play is and the it's names so and the going. names.
1: Like I saw Joe Buck's sheet. Joe Buck's sheet is like full of like hieroglyphics, bro. It's like I can't even discern what he's writing out. It's just he's got all the names and all the information on his his sheet. Do you have one of those sheets yet? Yeah, one of those boards. Yeah, one of the big got boards. And, like, that got probably it feels open. cool. You should have seen
0: Dan though. Dan got two boards taped together. <laughs> he got a roster <laughs> taped right here on the monitor. He, before the game, he taping shit together. I don't got nothing but one little card in my
1: phone. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Am I Am I? damn saying what's going on? Do I need more shit right here? No, less is more. Some guys like to show up and play a little bit. What's the game day fit for you? Because I saw Joe Buck, uh, my guy, got skewered over his camel car coat the other night on Thursday Night Football. What's the game day fit for a little. I had a little, what you say, LAV or LAV? Dude, I'm so afraid to fucking pronounce that. (laughs) I've seen, you know that you always see those people come in the building? Uh, to fit everybody for suits, and I never talked yeah. to them once because I can't dress. This is I've my- been
0: on with them since 2008, my rookie year, right? My rookie year, I bought five suits from a Matagay, never worn them. Good that for up.
1: you. Hey, when it comes to like a dream matchup, if there's one game that you want to call, before I ask you one or two NFL questions to get you out of here, one game, two teams, what situations do you do, do, would you like to call? Obviously it'd be a Super Bowl, but would it be like a Hail Mary in the Super Bowl? Would it be an onside kick? Would it be a big comeback? Give me your fantasy this is the game I want to call one day.
0: Yeah, I I I want to call a high-scoring game, man. Yeah. Give me defensive touchdowns in there. A straight nail-biter to the end. Something like something like our 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 Monday or Sunday night game, Rams and the Chiefs. Give me That's a game. the one I'm
1: thinking about. That's the yeah. one from two years ago. I'm yeah. thinking about that in the Super Bowl. That was one of the most exciting games I've ever you seen.
0: A game like that, make it like an NFC championship or a Super Bowl, AFC championship game. Yeah. Or even if it's just like a Monday night or something, you know what I'm saying? Just a, a spotlight game. Defensive plays though, man. Yeah,
1: but this is not a no-fly zone game where the score is gonna be low because you guys no, are. Out I don't want to
0: call that game. Well, I mean, I, I I won't even mind calling the game like that, honestly. Like yeah. all right, give me our Super Bowl, uh uh Rams and Rams and Rams and the Patriots. Yeah, like, I feel like it was a, it was great defensive plays being made yeah, that game. Was.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a lot of that's Cool. That's favorite. In my favorite, because I can explain them. You know, what I'm saying, I, yeah. you know, it me look like I know something in those type of games. Looks like I know something. I be, be doing a lot of explaining and stuff like that. But <laughs> if I had to pick one, man, I I definitely pick a nail biter, blowout, Rams and Chiefs type of game.
1: Nice. All right. Cool. NFL stuff. Uh, what's the place? I mean, this. I mean, we're gonna talk about New England for a second. But what's the place you learned the most playing? Was it New England? I see your jerseys behind you. You played yeah. on some great defenses. You you played with some other great players. Did you learn the most in New England or somewhere else that helped you kind of learn what you're doing now?
0: i say Denver, man. New England taught me a lot. But but Joe Woods, man, shout out Joe Woods. He's the defensive coordinator for the Browns right now, right? Yeah. He was our de- defensive backs coach in Denver. Yeah. And he really taught us that kick, that kick step, that technique, right? And I feel like, man, once I learned that technique, my I became all pro status every yeah. year. After that. Like, yeah. it didn't matter how fast guys was. It was. It gave me something to stand on, right? So that's look. That's year seven. I learned a major technique in year seven, eight, nine, ten. It probably was my best years playing. Dude,
1: you it's like understand? coaching. Mean. It's like coaching matters. Like you know, it's just sometimes we we assume with these players that when we see a quarterback struggling, okay, we always assume it's just happening in a vacuum. They all assume is happening the vaccine. They do. We don't. Yeah. Yeah. But we as the public, now that we're we're on the other side of it, it's just like it's just every every situation matters. You you could get more or less out of a player depending on the situation they're in. The players they're they're playing around, the coaches. I mean, like we, we looked at Nick Foles last night. Okay, it's Tuesday for the people listening. Nick Foles is not playing well. Nick Foles is not maybe your your go to guy for a decade. But Nick Foles has had two high highs in different schemes. So the Bears, in my opinion, I'm looking at them too. I'm saying you got to get something out of this guy. I mean, he's shown at other places. So what's the deal? That's a perfect example to me. I mean, you know, there's great players in this league who have have, – they get into funks. A lot of it's because of the coaching and the scheme and that sort of thing. Is New England a contender team right now? Because they tried to make them one the other night on Sunday Night Football. Chris was trying to will them to be a contending team. I don't see it. They could be. They could be. You really yeah, think so?
0: I think they can get there, man. They, they, it's built on defense. I see. You see the shit that they was running against Lamar. They had one defense. I'm like, if they playing man, if they playing zone, right. they got guys floating on the outside waiting yeah. for Lamar to run. They got Dev almost spying him and and robbing stuff in the middle at the same time. It's just like some shit that I ain't, I can't even tell you what coverage this is. Well, because, I, know,
1: I know they wanted to pack the middle and 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 uh, and make Lamar beat you outside, right? But then the rain okay, came.
0: That's it, but then the rain came. So now they like, we don't even worry about the pass. we kind of stopping Lamar from running. So I'm telling you, they I don't know what it was, man. It's build on defense. But I feel like, man, that offense, if they could tote that rock, if they could stay healthy and they could keep toting that rock like that, and then they get one guy to come alive like Myers. Yeah. They get a guy to come alive who can win some one-on-one matchups because you almost got to play man against them.
1: Right, right. So
0: they get a guy who can win some one-on-one matchups, man. They slide in
1: to number seven, maybe number six. I feel like they're a spoiler. They could beat anybody because they're so unorthodox and it's so annoying right. to play a team like that. What but I just don't see them like being that Super Bowl team. I mean, you no, know, that's just me.
0: No, I don't see them. I don't see them as yeah. like the top contender of the NFC yeah. right now, yeah. but I see them being able to slide in, to be able to, being able to slide in.
1: Fuck somebody's day up.
0: Six and seven, six or seven, and you know, Bill just got that shit, man. Yeah. He, he got that direct line to the football guys, like he said, "Hey."
1: As <laughs> he turned the rain. Hey,
0: Mark <laughs> coming to town, man. Y'all think I can get a fucking tsunami? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, back. tsunami, Bill. Bet, dude, it you know? worked out for he him. Got he got that. That brings. I mean, I think as the season go on, yeah. And this weather start, you know, late in the season, the the, the weather start. You know, what I'm saying, affecting games, right?
1: And you know I, what, Bill used to say. The season doesn't start till after Halloween or whatever. That hey, was the November.
0: whole November. You know, he all I tell every show I say that Bill always said the season don't start till November anyway. So now he gonna really start game planning. He really know what he got now. I like him to slide in like seven man and surprise some people. Maybe win. Hey, it's Bill. At the two and the-
1: zero in November. That's a great point. And they're two and zero in <laughs> November. How about Drew Brees being on the sideline? That sounded like a that sounds like a rough injury. I never had a lung punctured. I've had broken ribs. I know it's gotta be tough to throw the football. Listen, it felt like they just got back to firing on all cylinders and they kicked the Bucks' asses, so you're like, God, these guys got this division on lock. What happens now? How long can they survive without Drew?
0: I honestly think they're going to be all right. I think they'll stay in the same position they is now Uh, because Jameis, Jameis, we we laugh and we joke about Jameis all the time, but shit, he get it done, man. He He throw the ball around. His nuts to the flow.
1: Yeah, the make nuts are definitely on the floor.
0: <laughs> he make big time. I played against Jameis one time where he caught absolute fire on us. Yeah. And was hitting everything, quick decisions. <clears throat> he was just, yeah. he was like an all pro. Was this in LA? Hit. Was this in LA? Yes. I
1: remember that game.
0: Caught fire on us, bro. It was like a whole different Jameis Winston. And then, you know, sometimes he tried to force things. He throw a lot of picks. But I think that's where somebody like Sean Payton come in, man. He just, you know. You you wanted the quarterback whisperers are the lead? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you, you you it's your job to bring that turnover number down. You know what I'm
1: saying? Right, exactly. You, like what we just talked about, you got to get something out of him here. You've got a guy who's talented, exactly. and he's been sitting here watching for almost the whole season. I think what's working in his favor is, Keith, We've seen like, we've seen guys who were rookies take the field with no warning this year and play well. It's been like that kind of year, like. Guys with no training camp, no OTAs. What surprised me the most has been young quarterbacks stepping right in and playing well. You got a guy with that talent and Sean Payton on the sideline. He should be able to be serviceable, but that's the key. He's got to be serviceable, not the take big chances guy, in my opinion.
0: I think he's going to be straight. They yeah. when, when Drew left the game, they had seven points. Yeah. They end up with 27 points, yeah. you know what I'm saying, and, and yeah. win. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So he came in this 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 week. He prepared as the starter. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I think that that up his confidence a little bit. And man, he got the weapons. Man, he got E. He got he got Mike. He got Cook, Kamara. He
1: does, he do, I mean, he got
0: the weapons surrounding you, and you got a great offense. You stepping into man, so I think the Saints gonna be all right, man. I think he gonna do some Teddy Bridgewater type shit
1: and really be. That's the tape he's got to watch because last year yeah. they, they 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 didn't they didn't I lose think their stop.
0: Auditioning, they either stay here. Or or to be on auditioning for the mother thirty one team. I'd so, love
1: for him to stay there. I, if Drew calls it quits, I'd love to see him winning in the division where he got run out of his his old town. I think that'd be a cool happy ending for him. So yeah, you know how guys him. you know how guys is on that. It's, it's almost like a contract year for him.
0: Oh yeah. You know how we is on the contract years. We had an extra little mojo, extra little yeah. fire up in our ass. So. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. probably up right now studying, or who knows what's today. Yeah, yeah he on his day off. He probably at the building right now, uh-huh. studying. And you know, what I'm saying
1: you know how you be on when your contract year is, man. So he got something to prove. A little extra pep in the step. Last yeah. question, because you were on one of the best defenses in NFL history, uh, certainly uh, in recent history. Um, are there any great defenses this year? This time, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I say
0: great. Because the Ravens play a weird way, man. They 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 dominate people at the beginning of the games, and then they get leads, and then they kind of start playing their soft defenses, and and, and teams start, you know, getting some little shit at the end, and then Eagles make stats,
1: the Eagles did that to them.
0: It, it make their stats not look as good as yeah. they should look, right? Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I just that's just that's just how they play. But we had Wade. Like we used to get up. Wade used to be like, nah. Y'all wanna be the best D in the league? Y'all wanna be known as the best? Well, all right, we stand on their ass? We playing, we up 14, 17 in the fourth. going gonna still play man if y'all wanna be the best. And they used to kind of crank us up. Like, hell yeah, let's go then. Yeah, we ain't letting up. But you know, I mean, that's they that's their style of coaching. They, you know, they let up a little bit and they let let you get yards. But I say they probably still the best D in the league, man. I like really? that race, man. Really? They got it, they got it up front. They can stop guys, Class Campbell get back in there. They can stop guys from running the ball. You can't really throw the ball on them right when they don't want you to, and they generate turnovers out the gate. they score touchdowns, they
1: fast i like I like, I like the great. group I like the group right up the road in Pittsburgh. I mean I know they've I kind of taken a step back this year, but I guess that's it when you came to the season this year, you were like, okay, there's one really dominant defense because Pittsburgh played last year like a defense that had no no room for error, and I think that's one of the biggest things. Is and you've you've been on defenses, you know this. Right. It's hard to explain to fans. You're busting your ass like you want to pitch a shutout, no matter what. But right. it's a little bit easier to do that when you know that the guys on the other side of the football, uh, you know, you're, you're dealing with Mason Rudolph and not Ben Roethlisberger. Right. So, like, speak to that because you got some teams this year that I feel like they relax a little bit cuz their offenses are playing well. How do you keep that mentality cuz you guys weren't offensively prolific that year? We How have, do you keep that we have no room for error mentality on a good team that you guys had that year?
0: Uh I think it's the guys, man. It's 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 take the guys in the in the in the huddle, man. So we had guys like me, we had guys like Vaughn. Yeah. Man, we just had real leaders on our team who, you know, we practiced a certain way. We we met a certain way. Like, yeah. I can recall me, like, man, hey, coach, we need a break, man. Vine's tired, man. Come on, man. Right. We <laughs> get up and walk out. Like, I'm going to get up and walk out. Like, man, come on, bro. We'll start yeah. the meeting when I'm ready. Yeah. Like, just hold each other accountable, man. I think it's starting the meeting room. And and you just got you, you to set that goal at the beginning of the year. Like, man, we finna be the best D in the league. Right. And, and it take a couple people. Everybody, you got soldiers, too. But it take a couple leaders to stand on that all year. And I think we had that, man. We had the right. You got to have the dogs, that. man. The right coach who cared about that shit, too. Our coach care about stats. Wade Phillips care about being their best. Yeah. And that rub off on the players, man. So some coaches don't care about that. Some coaches just, you know what I'm saying? We we have playing a great game, man. Let's make these dudes take longer to score now and ease up a little bit and and, and make them. If they're going to score, it's going to take them six minutes to score. Yeah. Or five minutes to score. So. Way it ain't look at the game like that. You guys kept the pedal to the metal
1: even when you were up like
0: that. And we tried to, at least we tried to keep the pedal to the metal as much as we could.
1: to Talib, man, the newest uh voice in uh Sunday uh football. And I am excited to see my guy in the booth killing it. Um and we'd love to have you back another time. I wanna let you plug your pod real quick because you got a couple pods I hear.
0: Oh yeah. 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 Call to the booth, man. It's on all the, all the, all the major Apple podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, uh, me and Harrison Sanford. That's my co-host, man. It's called to the booth. We do a little, you know, DFS stuff, man. We do two shows. It's on Wednesday and Friday, Wednesday. We talk, you know, football, the past weekend, Friday, we kind of help you out on your DFS lineups fantasy and all that kind of stuff. It's fun, man. It's fun, man. And, uh, uh, I got another one coming out, uh, Catching Fades. It's called Catching Fades. It's in the works right now, man. Y'all up <laughs> here pretty soon.
1: The dual meaning there.
0: Yes, yeah, sir. <laughs> you know, that's exactly why we picked it. it oh, I mean know.
1: Them. You're the man, dude. to leave. Hey, check him out on Sundays on Fox, and uh, we'd love to get you back on here. Take it easy, hey, bro. Good luck great. this week.
0: Appreciate it, brother. Take care.
1: Week 10 of football is in the books and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week 11. There's no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week 11, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the app store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to earn a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 when signing up using promo code GREENLIGHT. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code GREENLIGHT when you sign up and get up to $1,000. That's code GREENLIGHT to get a deposit bonus up to $1,000 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprises first deposit bonus and first bet match. Each up to $500 deposit bonus requires 25 times play through. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. So that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to catch up with uh, with a guy I hadn't seen in a while, I've spoken to in a while and great to see he's doing good. Uh, look forward to seeing more of him in the booth. Also interesting to see that he like, he had very specific people that he watches, that he prepped uh, through watching. He mentioned... You know Charles Davis, Troy Aikman, Tony Romo was the gold standard. Said that he would uh, he would call a game with Pat Summerall if he you know if you call uh, a game with anybody uh, throughout history. The guy is a student of the game. You could tell as a player calling out personnel and shit like he beat the coaches to the punch on that sort of thing. That's the type of player he was, and that's the type of guy he is in the booth. Let's uh, let's go to Matthew McConaughey one more time little background here. The book is called Green Lights. It's about identifying things in your life that are green lights and identifying the things in your life that are red lights disguised as green lights, yellow lights, that sort of thing. Most of you guys have your driver's licenses, I would hope, uh, that listen to this pod because some of the language isn't great. Uh, Think about that when you're listening to him break down um, kind of his mantra as he applied it to the book and uh, shared some of his life experiences. I had a lot of fun doing this interview uh, and he was very gracious with his time. Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey, who, who needs no introduction, I, although I did intro him coming in. Uh, the book was great. I don't read a lot of books, which is a flaw of mine. Uh, this thing flew by. I think one reason this flew by, man, is because you don't try to be too you don't try to overthink anything. You speak it in a way that people can understand it. Do, do you consciously do that in the book? I mean, it's profound, but it's simple
2: yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it, I've done a lot of thinking to get it down to where it's simple. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I early drafts, like an early thought I can look at. It. That's how I kind of do all my creative work. The first version is long and way overwritten. Right. And then I just try to nestle that down to go okay, where can we let's get rid of all the wasted shit that you don't need in here and what's the nut of the conversation and what is it? How can I how can I express it in a way that's true to me but also relatable to you or whoever else can read it.
1: Yeah, and everything's relative. Like some of these stories are, you know, only stories that somebody with your life experiences or access might be able to to gain. But people have to go apply it to their lives in their own ways, right? Yeah.
2: I mean, no one's going to have, you know, a particular. The, the the exact same kind of year I had where I was say an exchange student abroad in Australia for a year yes. right out of high school. It was a hellacious, <laughs> insane year. No one will have that exact experience, but everybody's had a time where they're all feeling lost going, what the hell's going on? I got to find my footing. Uh, I got to get back on track and how the hell do I do it? I got no one else to rely on but me. So everyone's got that time in their life. Um, and everyone's probably found a green light asset from that time after it happened even though they were going through hell Everyone's probably going oh there actually was a lesson i learned when i look back at that um and so the you know in that way hopefully uh, my stories are relatable
1: yeah they are relatable i was going back through and we'll get to a, a few of the moments that resonated with me um the australia trip was one holy shit talk about being trapped I mean, in that, in that age, like, you know, like it's, it's not the uh, the iPhone age either where you can FaceTime people and whatnot. There was, it was the shining age. <laughs> Yell as loud as you want and nobody can hear. <laughs> I just got done reading a book. Actually, the last book I read was about Australia and just how desolate it can be. And that story, I was like, oh, shit, he's not going to Sydney. I, I get where this is going. He's going to the Outback, basically. I think one of the coolest things about the book is that it's called Greenlight and that it is, uh, it's about our podcast, which, which is really it's cool. It's all so about your podcast. That. <laughs> we also have another thing in common. Our dads played in the NFL. The size sounds like it checks out, 6'4", 265. My yeah, old man, yeah, yeah. 6'5", 270. One of the things that resonated with me is your, your dad, you loved him, you respected him, but you feared him. Your dad was scary, but when you came to him and told him, I'm changing career paths, yeah. you know, here, it reminded me of my pops because what he said to you was, don't half-ass it, whatever yep. you do. It wasn't, I want you to do this thing. Yep. It was, do whatever you're doing 100 miles an hour. And that's what my dad told me. Well,
2: that's, and our dads are obviously similar in that way. I mean, that's, that's what, and you just said it, your version, uh, do it 100 miles an hour. My dad's version was don't half-ass it. If I wasn't convicted, about going, hey, no, I really want to do this, Dad. And my dad heard that in my voice when I said, I don't want to go to law school, I want to go to film school. I think and that's the first time he had ever heard me say anything other than going to law school. But the way I said that to him, he could tell that I was nervous to call him and ask him about it, but he could tell I'd made up my mind, I'd been doing thinking about it, and I believed it. In 10 seconds on that phone call, he, one, is hearing his son say he wants to take a career path in the arts and not be a lawyer, which he was always expected to be, but he hears his son me say it in a way that he's like, oh, my son's going his own way. Yeah, He's making a rebel move. He's breaking out of the mold. He's, he, he's coming up. He's choosing his own path. And ultimately, I think that's what uh, uh, any great parent loves about, loves for their kids. Or If we're going to bring it up, if we're going to break out of the mold, our parents want to hear, you better mean it. Yeah. You know, because we've all, I've done it before where I didn't mean it. You know, oh, I, really, I really want to do this. Come on, I want to be a skateboarder. Can I just get you buy me the elbow pads and knee pads? Are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, Dad, I really want to do it. I want to take it seriously. Bullshit. I didn't. You know, it was one summer and it was gone. It was a fad. But I think he heard in my voice there going like, okay, if this is not a fad you're talking about. This is something you're going to really grab a hold of and, and, and go balls to the walls with. Don't half-ass it.
1: How do you spot the difference in your own life between an idea and a conviction because You know, as as an ADD long sufferer here, I get ideas all the time and I've had various costumes I wanted to try on throughout my life, you know, like, and that's not that you're not, you don't know who you are, but as you grow up, you try different things and you, and and you see something that. That looks cool. I want to go do that. How do you spot the things that you're convicted about in relation to the things that are just cool ideas?
2: Yeah, and look, I got—I still go through the same thing all the time. Now I can get ate up with ideas, right? And you know, I got a line in the book: a man ate up with ideas need to needs to be uh, putting some starvation. A man ate up with truths needs to be fed,
1: Bad, right? Yeah,
2: you know. And but we gotta, you know, there's a testing time, man. And and I talk about this in the book: process of elimination. It's it's hard as hell to figure out who we are and what we want to do, right? But it's easier. To start that journey by saying, well, "Wait a minute, who the hell am I not? Yeah. What is it that I'm not? Where do I not want to go?" By process of elimination, let me let me put put over here the people, the places, the time I spend that really don't feed me. Mm-hmm. They're a green light, but they're plugged into a battery. You know what I mean? They're They're not hooked up to the AC or solar power. They're not They're not long lasting green lights. Right. convicted about. Um, so you kind of go, okay. Um, I know for me, I, you know, as I got older, I started to realize. Times in my life where I was like, Oh, I'm loving it. Uh, I'm single, I'm rolling. Uh, but this is a stop, not a stay. Right. All right. Uh, give yourself a license to enjoy this for a while, Makani, but you know, you do know, or the time, you know, start dating uh, uh, a woman after, after, for me, after 28 years old, I wasn't going to date anyone if I didn't believe that they might have potential for us to get together and become a long-term relationship and maybe have children.
1: Right. You at know, that so, point, that's a red light. <laughs> Well, at that
2: point, you're like, you just no. at that point, you're probably just doing circles in a yellow light. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You just, just got the steering wheel cranked yeah. to the left and you just go in a And that's okay for a, fun a while, but you, for a while. It's a fun circle, you know? Um, but it, it comes a time where you're like, let's have some ascension here. Let's, let's get down the road and see if, see if I, if the, you know, the person has the potential and is the right person for us. So, you know, Look, and sometimes I try to measure now from my, from my life. Now, do I love it? Do, is it something that, you know, I, I project 10 years ahead and I go, I try to look back and have an interview with myself 10 years from now and go, mm-hmm. this thing you want to do right now, what would you, what, what, what would you, what you're going to, what you going to think about it in 10 years? Yeah. Is it going to be something that you're going to be honored with? Is it something that's maybe going to live on for the rest of your life that you're going to hand off to your kids? Yeah. that's it. That's the real green lights there um, the ones that will outlive us um, but look man I dibble and dally and, and then sometimes I have gotten into things that I only liked and I learned to love them right. and was damn glad that I took the chance because it was just an idea but it turned into a conviction but yeah you gotta watch it I mean look I'm, I hear you you get so many damn ideas you look up and you go I need more than 24 hours in the day and the last time, time I checked they ain't given more than 24
1: dude my brain never stops and I'm not saying that like I'm bragging it's actually a fucking problem the book's called green lights and this is green light singular guys so for the listeners out there don't get confused um i I, this is coincidence you know i'm I'm looking back through my life and i'm looking at my football career you know i played 11 years a lot of people would kill for that career you know two Super Bowls, whatever all the things that you would think fulfilled you right but i sometimes didn't feel fulfilled and even at the end you really walk away from the game with as many insecurities as you do victories right Right. and what's worse is in the last two years since I called it quits I've grown exponentially as a human being and so the thing that everybody looks at as a a success in like your life's work which is why I think a lot of guys struggle with it existentially when they leave the game they're no longer that person but you've been the same fucking person all along that that 11-year career obscured my my view it, it right. didn't allow me to grow personally. There are things I've learned about myself that like, I hate that about you, Chris, or this right. is more of this please, or dude, I just don't like that person. I never was able to do that self inventory because I was under the gun or right. because it obscured my, my view. So is that career a green light? Is it a yellow light? Is it a red light?
2: Well, shit is obviously, I mean, the- it's obviously, ultimately, it's obviously a green light, whether you notice that tomorrow or on your deathbed or you you know, the next generation uh, notices it. Um, I mean, that's, that's you know, until, um, my guess is that until you've latched onto something here, which you seem like you're latching onto things in the last two years of going, oh, this is, I'm, I'm growing in, in, into more, more of myself now in the next, these last two years since you retired, you latch on to something, you're gonna I think probably have a new look at that 11 years. You're gonna be able to see, ah, mm-hmm. you're gonna probably be able to go, you damn right. I did I, I I was on I was on the big stage. I maybe I did, maybe I felt like I was now, maybe now I'm saying I didn't grow as much as mm-hmm. I did, but oh, come on. It, meaning meaning a lot of things I know that I mean I in my past, and I found this going back to the book that I said I'm gonna be ashamed about, I'm gonna be embarrassed about. I ended I ended up laughing at. And forgive yeah. myself for and going, you know. Obviously, you're a thinker. I'm a thinker. We got to watch so we don't get that old paralysis of analysis, man. Because we can <laughs> overthink yeah. something and just go, "What the fuck, man? It's a Saturday. I'm just yeah. going to enjoy this. I'm not quit thinking about. It. I got to play on. I got to play on the field. I got to All be right. a gladiator on the field." Uh, And that's what I was for 11 years. And I came out of it and I'm still walking around and that's what I did. I was on the playground. I mean, we get a little less, I think, sentimental about it over, over time, but it probably takes finding out what it is. What's our line now? What's our frequency, our new frequency when that was your only frequency, but you're going, Hey, that ain't the station that really, I, I ultimately want to be tuned into. Um, but I listened to that station for 11 years and I was yeah. good on that station. I was yeah. part of the band on that station. And all right. Um, so I think we give ourselves. I mean, I know for me, I've had to learn. Nobody forgives. I forgive myself later than anybody else forgives me. I'm the last to forgive sounds myself. Sounds about right. Yeah. That sounds and about right. You, you go away. You know, you spend time with yourself. You got to figure out. Okay, what shit am I gonna forgive myself for? And what am I gonna say the buck stops here? I'm not putting up with it anymore. And we gotta shake hands with ourselves because we're the only seven of bitches we can't get rid of.
1: <laughs> I've tried. I've tried. It doesn't I work wake up right? every morning. And it I'm right doesn't there. work. So you know I, I guess one of the most interesting things to me was again getting back to your dad, because I thought that was a really he was one of the most interesting characters in the book. Yeah. And maybe the central character outside yourself. Not just his support. He comes out of the gate so hot, like he's this scary fucking guy. You guys are getting in fights, you know, corporal punishment. We can save yep. that for another pod. You're doing all right. <laughs> yeah,
2: I got hurt. I wasn't injured.
1: Yeah. One of the coolest things was he kind of softened and show, showed his sentimental side and his supportive side at different sure. points. And then, you know, learning that he passed away five days into your, your first big movie, I wonder if you look back at it and you had him here today, which movie he'd be most proud of or that you could show, right. or if you could show him one flick.
2: Yeah, well, let me tell you about that, you know, to go back to that don't half-ass it. There was some serendipity in the fact that he, he, he died five days into my first movie, Days Confused, right. which turned out to be a career that right. I'm not half-assing. Right. So all those other fads, like I could talk about earlier, skateboarding and all that stuff, he was alive for me to start what became more than a hobby. Right. That has always made me feel like, yes. All right, we had a crossover there. At least he was alive for that. Yeah. Now the movie I think that that I that I that I see him coming up to me as a twelve year old and going, Hey buddy, you seen this movie Mud? Oh. It's a good it's a good one. Let's go watch it. That's the one where he'd have been like, It's a good one. That was his deal, yo, oh, it's a good one. Oh yeah. Let's check it out. I think it was Mud. Mud would be the one, I think. That's the one I see. He would have liked all of them. I miss, you know, sharing a script with him because mm-hmm. he, he would have loved reading a script and having an opinion or asking him, hey, do you know anybody in your life? Oh, yeah, this is all like O'Donnell And He's sort of like to hear his stories and hear him ham it up and say, he reminds me of this, and to hear a different point of view on characters and stories. I, 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 I think about that a lot um, with him. And, hey, you know, I got stories in there about my mom. While I was on the proverbial famous stage, she wanted the limelight. Right. All right. Dad wouldn't have wanted the limelight. Dad would have been on the front row, mm-hmm. but he wouldn't have wanted to be absolutely in the in the limelight. He had been there as a as a as sort of a uh, real supporter on the front row. And I do miss creatively going over things with him and hearing his opinion on stuff.
1: You ever think about that oyster shack that, yeah, I thought that was a really cool little tidbit there. You know, and, and, and does it say anything about, like, this dude worked his ass off his whole life. He's got this kind of vision, like, you know, you know, Robbins uh, Robinson, Shawshank or, you know, yeah. I, I, that beach, right? Yeah. And you never get to that beach, but he lived a hell of a life. You know, does yeah. that say something about our deepest aspirations? You can still have a successful existence that's intrinsically awesome for everybody around you, but you just don't. You never get that extra credit thing, and you could still yeah. have hit the ball out of the park. But you're chasing it. Yeah, that's what you it's know about. you're
2: chasing it. I think as far you know, I think we individually as people are an aspiration. I think America is an aspiration. Yeah. Meaning we're always chasing. Yet we never can arrive. Yeah, we never get there. America's not going to find perfect social justice. Yeah. We're not going to find the utopia we chase. But that's not the point. The point is we keep chasing it. Right. And hopefully there's a little evolution and a little escalation. Our better selves, our truest selves, man, what better thing to chase? Yeah. What better thing to be an investigator of an interrogator of a, a, a get up every day and being like, I'm I'm going to chase it a little more today. You know? Right. And, and then we never get there. We don't have a ta-da moment. <laughs> ta-da, I made it. No, we don't have that. We never reached the shack. We never actually, you know, you get the shack. Like my dad's dream was the oyster shack on the beach. If he had the oyster shack on the beach, Hell, I don't know. Maybe he would have been like, "Tada, I've retired, but I, yeah, it would but, have opened up new things. You know, yeah. I don't know.
1: That's the question. Somebody asked me in a mailbag the other day. We do a stone mailbag. So I sit here and I hit my pen until I'm cross-eyed and then I try to answer our listeners' questions and somebody asked me if I could have one superpower or which superpower if I woke up with in the morning, would I be pissed off about? I would be pissed off to be, and this was listed on Google, I don't know how this is a superpower, omniscient. If I knew everything, right? I mean, it's over. It's over. That's how Dope. I feel about destinations and one of the biggest things I had to get out of my head in my own life and you know you're somebody who's it's a it's apparent you are an individual in the best sense of the word you 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 never cease exploring, you're curious I was afraid of marriage. I was afraid of a family. I was afraid of a destination. I've been afraid of yeah. destinations my whole life. When I was 18, I thought about being 40. <laughs> Me too, man. Yeah, I mean, yes. like, I hear you. So, how do you get over that thing? Because you're somebody who's like done all the crazy shit, and I've heard the interviews and I've read the book, and like, you're synonymous with some crazy shit that's like yeah. everybody would love to just go do that wild thing, act on your wild hair. You can't, you can't get up and do the, you know, th- the stuff that you did in um, Running Downhill, that chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you yeah, know, you yeah. can't just wake up one day and be spontaneous. How do you reckon with destinations?
2: Yeah. Well, I'm not I, like, a desk, what I, you know, that's why that's hence the title, green, green Lights. What are you doing in the green light? You're going, you're on the way. That's why I don't really care for destinations um, because, you know, the verb, is the holy word man the verb which life is on the ways what's fun yeah. you know i gotta i gotta i got a. uh my mentor who's an acting coach I, I do so much preparation i like to, i use i love to come into scenes and she was like you love to come into scenes stable there you go right you're you're you're, you're solid she goes yeah. okay you've done the work now she goes you want to have some real fun i go yeah she goes come into the scene on one leg and try and find your balance once you're in it right that's what's fun. Right. It's not the, it's the overcoming of whatever, the finding, the seeking, the on the way, uh, that I find so fun. Then it's like a relationship
1: families. I'm with you. I was scared of marriage family. Geez, Oh man. Get married. Wow. Is the adventure over? It sounded like death for a while. in my like, you know, as a younger dude, you know, my lovely as wife, Meg, dude. who, you know, she's maybe 50, 50, listen to the pod. Meg, you know how happy I am to be married to you. I love you so much. I love the kids so much. But we've talked about this. There is a there is a fear, you know, for some people settling down. But once you settle down, you realize it's it's really no different. Life's um, possibilities are still endless, and then wild new adventures open open back up.
2: Yeah. You know. Um, but and how do you keep it going though in a relationship as well with our wives? How do you keep? We want to keep chasing each other. We don't yeah. want to get in a relationship where we're like looking at each other going. Okay, I know everything about you. You know everything about me. It's ho-hum. What do we do now? Yeah. You know, we want to stay on the adventure yeah. with our partner and and charge forward. Having kids is part of that adventure for sure. Yeah. But that's not all of it because we made them, and we got to remind them of that, that we're first. <laughs> Mom and dad are number one. You know what I mean?
1: It's healthy to um, be, you know, not number one, but like 50-50. Hey, I'm still important here. and my Because if I don't feel fulfilled and I'm having some midlife crisis, and I'm like losing my mind because I haven't traveled or I haven't gone to do this bucket list thing or that thing. Then I'm not going to be as good of, of a dad either.
2: Well, hundred percent. The or best, you, you know, the husband, the best thing example we can give our kids is to, to show them how we love our mo- their mother. Yeah. You know, and that that's the best thing that that the mothers can give the kids to show them how they love their their dad. Um, but hey, we got to watch this thing too. I'm sure. I don't know about you, but. Camille and I gotta watch, man. We got three kids and we got my mom here with us who's 88. Damn, man, there's some nights where all of a sudden we look up and 10 o'clock at night, is the first time we're going, hi, hey, yeah, yeah. how are you doing? Whew, I just finally got the kids to bed, handled everything uh, and we gotta go, hey, let's not have too many days in a row like that. <laughs> we gotta sneak off for a date or some solo time somewhere and check in a little earlier. Yeah. And she's really good about reminding me of that but that's part of keeping that adventure going i mean you know you're now you're not married you got kids it didn't it hadn't got less adventurous no we cannot we cannot tomorrow we can't you and i can't decide right now let's go to africa tomorrow with a backpack we'll be back with a one-way ticket we'll be back when we're ready to come back that's irresponsible we can't do that Uh -uh. Uh, our friends understand that now it takes them a while that hey Chris, you can't wait a minute. We should just call you up. And I we need can twelve go. hours before I go down to Miller's in
1: Charlottesville here and, and slam eight right? butt, butt heavy. So, I yeah no. But you know what's replaced is like when I do go to East Africa, and it's funny you mentioned that. Like, and I'm climbing Killy or whatever, and all we have is a fucking sat phone. It's the most terrifying thing in the world. I feel tethered. Where you know, at one point in my life, albeit very brief, I had the autonomy to make moves I needed to make. Yep. But without being tethered, then. You know, we had kids and we, and we started a family. Now, I actually don't mind being tethered because it's a trade-off. The kids were like a missing piece for me. You know, like the right. old Shel Silverstein thing? Like, I searched for my identity far and wide. I knew who I was, but like, why right. am I living? Because to yeah, live yeah. for myself is insufficient. And at some right. point, and actually it came right on time because I was going through a tough time in my career and it was questioned, you know, existential stuff, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which is dangerous, uh, and the kids came along. And I felt like, holy shit, this is why i this is why I'm alive. You know, so the tethering, there's a trade-off.
2: Well, yeah. Well, you go, you know, there's that I've heard this quote about, you know, you can you ask someone about the meaning of life and someone can exercise. we can talk about it forever. But you ask, ask your someone ask you that right after you had your first newborn. You're like,
1: this is it. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
2: what are you talking about? Yeah. It's as simple as that. You yeah. tell you know, you, the older man tells the the new father tells the young man, what are you talking about? This is it. Yeah. You know, life. A birth. I just helped create something that just be, you got introduced into the world and it's a living, breathing thing. Except now well, I am immortal.
1: We're not needed the first fucking six months, though. That's when you feel like. This no, you're is not. Scary. We're kind of a blob. <laughs> yeah, it was just, we're just useless. But man, six months on, it was like I just fell in love with this new, a different kind of love that I've never felt. And, yeah. you know, actually, I was going to save this for a minute from now. You know, I got my little fucking workflow here. I'm interviewing Matthew. I'm going to be on on top of it. It's all going to be in order. (laughs) Fuck that shit. You reminded me of Interstellar, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I'm not going to lie. This is not a lie. I cried today, okay? Because in 2014, it hit me hard. I'm not a person that watches movies over and over again. I don't know about you, but like even my favorites like that movie in particular, I've watched maybe two, three times. I watched, I got on YouTube today to jog my memory to ask you about the, the movie. And it's the, ce- the scene where, you know, you are on the spaceship and you're talking yeah. to Murph and company and your son. Yeah. And, you know, it's a powerful scene, but I just started crying in my office at 11 in the morning. And for me, what that movie was at the time was confusing, but also exhilarating and like, trying to make sense of all this, and then seeing this and digesting it again is like, I'm thinking about my kids. I'm thinking about, it illustrated the inevitable prospect that you and your loved ones will no longer be together. But the the mind fuck in that movie to me was that you have the ability to consciously digest that as as Coop. Right. You know, like you're living and breathing. Yeah. And talk about tethered. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so I guess is that, w- did you think about that when you made the movie? Like, have you thought about that as a theme with that movie? Cause I know there's a thousand for me. It's like, holy shit. That's what scares me about death. It's not dying. We're all going to die. Right. You know, they're going to put me in a furnace at some point, but like, cause I don't want to be buried, but like your kids, man, like not being able to know them and be with them anymore. And then that leads me to think, why are we even doing this podcast? Why do we do any of the stuff we do? Shouldn't we just be in their faces all day for the moment that we're on the other side, whether that's in a a library in the fourth or fifth dimension or it's the afterlife?
2: Uh... I think it's good. We, we have our podcasts in life that are, that are independent from our kids. You know what I mean? It's good for them to get yeah, bored you, on their you, own and figure out, figure out how to do stuff. No, the, re, the, you know, the re-entry is fun. Uh, the, the how you doing at lunch is, is also fun, but not 24-7.
1: No, maybe, um, maybe but, just less time, though. There's so many things that I do. Yeah. You, you talked about that. Uh, you know, With your wife, and it's like 10 o'clock, you're like, I haven't seen you all day. Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah, prepping yeah. for stuff, or I'm running around and doing stuff, and I, I just it hit me this morning: is like there will be a point where we can't be together anymore. Sure, and that's what struck me about that movie.
2: Yeah, well, you talk to you know the, the the wisest elders I've talked to, do all very soberly say, enjoy this time with your family and your kids, and your and your wife. That's what's really important. And these are people that have many of them have succeeded. You know, wealth and success, career beyond. Um, I often, I know, I'm very selfish, man. I have, I love. I, I'm happy to, to love what I do. I'm happy to, uh, that I that I keep chasing down stuff and creating. I need work for my own self significance. Yeah. I'm gonna. I need, to, I need. I like to accomplish things. I love to make my list and mark them off. You know what I mean? What I've done that day. Um, I need that structure to feel like myself is significant. Um, if I was just with my kids, I'm good on a vacation with my kids for a a couple of weeks. Meaning I can handle being in nothing but the kids and me having a great time for about eight days. And then I've gotta have a little something I gotta check in and build on my own, you know, uh, on on the side and still continue the vacation but not completely free um, just to be with nothing but my my children having fun. Um, Yeah, man, I... I've I've gotten a worked into a pretty good relationship with with death, I think. Um and our our impermanence that we are and the impermanence of this life. Um but I, and I think what turns me on about it in the in the kid part, and I said this word earlier, once we have kids, we're actually immortal. Right. So death's not the end. Right that we pull off the big magic trick having the children and making the children with, with with our with their mother yeah that's that's our that's our shadow that's our light that we leave that's the big green lights we're talking about that we leave in our lineage behind us and hopefully they can have children at the very base Darwinistic level we've done that we've survived we've, we've helped procreate we've stayed alive yeah longer past after we're gone so that that that, that excites me and I, I don't you know I want my kids to be autonomous. I wanted to be self-reliant. Um, I wanted to be confident. Um, I want to be kind. Um, I wanted to be conscientious, all those things. But, you know, what do we got? I can figure if it's, I don't know what it is now. My house, it was, you turn 18, done. You're out of the house. Move yeah. on, whether you want to or not. I, you know, Now nowadays, kids stay around the house longer. I'm hoping my kids are going to want to go. We're out of here at 18. <laughs> We 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 yeah. we've, we've got hope and hopefully Camille and I've done a good enough job to have them suited to go negotiate the world on their own, and it, that'll be hard. I've heard many a father go, "Boy, taking your kid, dropping them off at college the first time, <laughs> just fathers weeping. <laughs> They're mm-hmm. out of the house. You know? Yeah. Um, and now I have to watch them from afar, and hopefully we, you know, we get to watch them fly, and we've 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 let them step in the right amount of shit. Well, by the time they turned 18 to be able to navigate and negotiate that in real life. And let's see. Hey, we'll have a different conversation. How old are your kids?
1: One and a half and four. Whalen will be five in March. So
2: Okay. Well, I got 12, 10, 7. Yeah. So there's a great African proverb that no man should be a, uh, an actual leader until he has raised kids through adolescence. <laughs> okay,
1: well, I'm not there, but you can, so, you so can be a captain of an NFL team, but I don't know yeah. shit about leadership yet. Yeah. No, and it's, it's readily apparent, but I do think as long as you know that time is a fucking freight train, like... Yeah. And you're aware of that every day your feet hit the floor and you go see your kids in the morning and the and you know how quickly they're going to change. If you have that mindset, I think you're okay. But yeah. it's inevitable that you're going to want to slow it down. So, I mean, let, let's take a hard right turn from death Yeah. <laughs> to like Interstellar was a great movie, okay? You've yes. made a lot of great movies, man, and and I and by the way, Mud. The scene I remember was the snake scene because it reminds me of Lonesome Dove, and I hate snakes. Yeah, remember the scene in Lonesome Dove?
2: Hell yeah, I remember that Lonesome. I just sat my uh, kids and mom. We we watched it during quarantine. We sat there and did it over four nights. It was great. Was <laughs> that, watched
1: that it. one of those like, Dad, what the fuck? My dad on a rainy day in Montana. We're on vacation up there. We go every summer, and he has the whole family in there, and he's like, "It's movie day, guys. I got I got a great movie for everybody." <laughs> And this is kids spanning, you know, 18 to 30 years old and, you know, there's guests in the house and we sat there and he's like, "Yep, it's called Deer Hunter." And so we all <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so we yes. all watched Deer Hunter and by the time Russian Roulette rolled around, I'm looking at my dad like, "What the fuck, dude?" Are you It is a great movie. <laughs> the whole fucking room is like, "Howie." <laughs> and he's like I forgot it was this dark. So, so it is a good movie. <laughs> but bad but but bad movies, okay? Like and I'm talking about things you deem bad movies because I've had bad games and it's and it sucks when you are in the meat grinder and you know like it's going to last three more hours. You get made fun of on Twitter. You know, you could get stiff-armed like Josh Norman the other day. Like, we take our right. lives into our hands, our masculinity into our hands when we step onto a field. But it's not subjective as much as, like, you're sharing your art, your soul. And I know that, like, you might say, well, football, you know, and downplay it. But what you guys do is you share your creativity and you bare your soul for people who are just consumers. Right. Have you ever been in a movie that you're like, yeah, this ain't working? Like, if I'm in a bad game, I know we're getting drug and everybody can see that. Do people talk on set and you're like, man, this thing's fucked. Like, you know, or do you worry about that? You you just have to hit send. No, I
2: mean, look, so I've been in, I've been in movies that felt great going in, felt great in the making of it. Then all of a sudden I see the final product. I'm like, what the fuck happened? (laughs) That's not, were we not making what we thought we were or did they go just screw it up in the editing room? Is there a great movie on the editing room floor? Yeah, Um, And I've been in the editing rooms trying to help rearrange things with, with, with studio heads, trying to fix things, Uh, have failed at that, have helped some things out, put some band-aids on some situations. I've also had the other way around where I'm not sure if it's going well. I feel like I'm doing my job, but remember this, this is part of the reason why I wrote, right, wrote a book. What I'm doing when you're on a football field, you have zero filters. It's direct contact. It's live. What am I doing? I'm doing, I'm performing someone else's script, being directed by yeah. somebody else, being lensed in a camera by someone else and framed, edited by someone else before my raw expression gets to you in the context of a story. So there's four filters it's gone through. Now, my goal has always been, let's close those gaps. Well, that's why I ended up going off to write a book, is one filter. Yeah. It's a, it's a written word to you. Right now, the interaction or what you do when you used to play football, that's no filter. Stand-up comedians is the most direct form of expression.
1: Yeah, you
2: know what <laughs> I mean. It's it's too. there. You're live. There is no re-record. There's no take two. Yeah, um, and it's a direct, con- unfiltered connection. That's sort of the the the, uh, the ultimate place. To I go saw you from, say from, from that as as on Rogan.
1: Yeah, I saw you say that on Rogan about you yeah. made this book and part of the motivation. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was I don't know. For me, I'm a bit of a control freak. I'll admit that. Cowboy Reed behind here, my producer's like, fuck yeah, you are. Like you want things done your yeah. way. And that and that can suck. Yeah. But as long as you know
2: it can be awesome
1: though. Yes. Yeah, let's,
2: let's, let's Let's hit that for a second. Yeah. A lot of people get try to people talk about people getting a bad rap for known for, for being a control freak. Hey, it's a hell of a lot better than showing up to your boss and then boss going, I don't know. Hey, whatever people in Hollywood, people go, Oh, but that guy or that girl, that actor, actress is so weird. They need all these things. I'm always like. Are they clear about what they need? However, goofy, weird, idiosyncratic, are they clear? Like, yeah. I'm going, then say thank you. Give them whatever they want. Set them up. Let them be as weird as they want to be. What you don't want is someone going, I don't know. And then just all of a sudden come up and saying, I want this. And the people that are supposed to do it go,
1: well, I don't know how to get that done for you. I think that's why people that know what they want scare people. Yeah, because they're going fucking places, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying I'm going anywhere. I might just be going to the editing bay after this to piss Cowboy Reed off to tell him, no, I like this done this way. But I do think that being in control and finding that line of where like, okay, you're a control freak that's like toxic or like you're a control freak that's that's particular about this is what the fuck I want. And this is how I want it done. And that's okay. If you're the boss, you can do that. But you're the boss writing this book. But on the field, yeah. like, if, if I'm a victim of a bad call, the people at home don't know what the bad call is. If you're right. the victim of a fourth filter on a movie, you know, um, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, by the way, I had a drone, uh, you know, one of those DJIs that you go take up in the mountains and take cool pictures. Yeah. I named it Coop, so I'm a method consumer. Oh, there we go. Yeah, you, method did method, consumer. you did method acting. I do method consumer. I also, I I also crashed... Um, an Impala SS, because I got it because of the movie drive. I totaled it the second day. I was really into the nice. movie drive as well.
2: <laughs> <Okay. So>. nice. <laughs> you are a method consumer. Method consumer,
1: uh, man. Method consumption. Yeah, man. Um, I wanted to ask you about the industry because of COVID and the pandemic. And yeah. I know what it's doing to sports. That's a complicated deal. But like, I miss going to the movies, man. I really, it's one of my favorite things in life is to go to a theater and eat some candy and some popcorn, or maybe some pasta that I brought in from a restaurant. Are you okay with that? People bringing food into movies?
2: I'm fine, as long as you don't, in my ear. <laughs> Pasta's okay? It's not over the line? I've been told hey, by some hey, people. Hey, man, I'll bring my homemade tuna fish salad. Oh. Now, that's not, a, that's not a sound thing. That's a smell thing. Yeah, but I'm smell like, thing. forget it. Yeah, <laughs> there's
1: a hippie in here or something. Um, yeah. So what what's happening in your industry right now? Yeah,
2: so... A lot of my peers are working. Yeah, they're on sets. They have what they call these little bubbles and these pods of when certain people in a crew and how many come at what certain time. They're still making movies. They're still creating content. I'm not right now. Yeah, I'm 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 over here bearing down with my family and my 88 year old mother, trying not to bump into this 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 COVID thing. Um, mind you, I'm in a privileged position to be able to do that, but that's what I'm doing. Hey, so how much of right now is the new normal? See, a lot of it. Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, a
1: lot of it. I'm going to hug people when there's a vaccine. Okay, I don't I don't care. I'm, some people say handshakes are gone, hugs are gone. I can't live without hugging my friends or. Well, you you will, but there
2: are millions out there that will never do that again. There are millions out there that are never going to a theater again, if there's even a theater to go to. Um, look, our floor has been in our industry has been moved beneath our feet in a, in a in a real way that things are going to change i don't know do do, do films become a more of a uh, an event that's once a month in a secured area that you buy a ticket too early and you get tested and you're every it's all set up where like a, a luxury event in the Cinerama Dome where you have your own sort of pod that you're watching collectively the movie I I don't know I don't see how right now the theater business they just they're just trying to keep their head above water right now. I know. Um and how do we consume? it? But this has been a question even before COVID. But with how we consume our 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 entertainment, we you know Quibi just went down, and that was about consumption on this thing. Right. Um, you got small screens, you got TVs. You don't have to plan to be there Monday night at eight p.m. when the show's on because you can order it whenever you want. And you can stream it on on Netflix. Now the now the question with streaming was always wait: is is streaming cannibalizing the theater experience? Right. In actuality. You could argue that, no, it wasn't. It was actually feeding the, the, the theater experience. People that want to watch it at home, watch it at home. People like yourself, that's great. I want to go to the theater. Mm-hmm. That's where I want to consume it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm going through this now with the book. Audio? Does audio cannibalize the, the readership of the, of the hard copy? Mm-hmm. Or does it say, no, it actually makes me want to go buy the hard copy? Does the hard copy make you want to buy the audio? Does one feed the other? It's just choices, um, I guess. I think that they could they can feed each other. I just don't know if physically coming out of this, uh when, you know, how much how much of how much of what we're doing right now with sports and the reengagement of people is just a grand experiment that may bite us in the backside. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that I look up at a year and go, actually I was Overly cautious. I would love to be wrong about how it's cautious. It's always better
1: I'm. to be overly cautious and we're doing the same thing and that sort of thing. And you mentioned the privilege of being able to stay home and work from home and all that stuff and get to be around your family. You, you mentioned theaters. We were talking about, you know, theaters going out of business. There's one ratty old theater here in Charlottesville that's long out of business. and it's like one you know, they all turn into roller parks and shit like that. Right. You were there, bro. You came to Seaville to do the time to kill for John, who was my baseball coach. John- Oh, really? Grisham? Yeah, dude. I, nice. got, I got in trouble twice because John Grisham sent us on these baseball trips and I would get in trouble on the trips and come home and it's bad to piss an author and a football player off at the <laughs> ride the bus all the way up. Are, are they still open? Are nah, they holding man. their head above, not nah, nah. done? Uh, it's been a while, you know, but okay. in general, I think they're all struggling. Is there a biopic when things get, get rolling again that you're like, I want to play that guy?
2: I don't know, man. I mean, I've been circling for years, evil Knievel.
0: Oh,
2: perfect. <laughs> I think it's gotta 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 get that gotta get that script right. Uh because yeah. I, I got to know him pretty doggone well. Really? Um yeah. And you know, his stories <laughs> he was a badass. His 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 stories were 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 incredible. I spent a lot of great time with him and had a lot of a lot of late night phone calls with him as well. But I gotta tell you this, man, I'm what's what's turning me on right now and hopefully will continue to turn me on, is what's the role that I want to play in the big show? Life. All
1: right.
2: The one where the recorder's always on. The one that action was called when I was born and, and there will be, you get one take and they will only say cut when I die. It, what, what am I doing? Well, I quit acting like one. What well, kind of, hey, be one. You know what I did? Yeah. Let's go, yeah. let's go. Um, turn, it's live. It, we're in it. We're being, the, the the camera is rolling. Um, who, who who are you going to be? So that that's that's what I'm challenging myself, and this sort of leads back to our other conversation about what is it you know, family and fatherhood and husbandry, and how are we leaders um, um, and are we fit to be leaders in what in what areas? Um, do we have something that we can share that can be helpful for ourselves and the most amount of people? That's I'm, that's what I'm trying to chase right now is what? The, what is that answer for me? What's my legacy choice to make uh, uh, now and going forward? Um, I feel like my values are in pretty good order. They get rearranged from time to time, obviously, as all ours do. But that's what I'm looking at right now is I, I still want to act. I still want to go put, put something, a performance in a capsule that you can go watch in a theater. But I'm really interested in this more existential question of like, what, this, what about the big show, bro? I dare you. Yeah. What about, I dare ya. you. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. That's that. This is the one that's, that's still turning me on. And look, that was part of the fun of writing the book. You know, a lot of these truths were more exciting and wilder and funnier than most fiction I read. Um, so I'm like, all right, well you have, you have, done some things that are could be movies. There's a lot of there's a lot of movies in this book yeah. or, or at least characters, you know, that I've met traveling the world. And, you know, you're a traveler culture, man. That's yeah. been my greatest educator. And hopefully we're back where we can still I still want to go back to Molly. I want to I've been I'm, every week. It's on the tally to take my family back there to meet those families. Right. I can't go back. Or I can, but it would be foolish because they're, yeah. they've been in a civil war yeah. for so long. Yeah. And my good friend over there lost all of his tourism job. He became a farmer um, just as he becomes a successful farmer five years in. He gets, you know, a group just comes and takes over his house one night and steals all his farm animals. So now he's broke again. But, I, you know, I, I, I want to travel again. I keep traveling around the world. Like I said, you want to go to the theater. We want to get out there and re-engage and, and move around this big backyard called Earth again, um, and I want to do it with the family this, this this time, and hopefully, you know. So, let's see. I'm, I'm 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 questioning the big show. Good deal.
1: Question the big show. Real quick, two football questions. One prediction for the Texas Oklahoma State. Give me a score for that if you can. I know you like gambling. I wish I could have talked to you more about gambling. I love sure. back. I love calling back to that Buffalo Bills. Uh, Oilers game. I I lost a lot of money on rice on the quad doink. So I hear you on the gambling. (laughs) The quad doink. How I got in that hole with fucking rice is absurd. I didn't know it was. I didn't even know where the university. Where did you? It's in Houston. Where did you even? Where did you find rice? The rice football. game Blame your boy Stanford Steve. Uh, Stanford Steve and I do a gambling show He gave it out He's like bro you gotta get on rice Okay so give me a a prediction for that game And then one compliment For the Oklahoma football program Sure
2: Uh, Prediction on that uh, Texas plays uh, the the big games well We we can come out of uh, Stillwater 35-31 Victorious Compliment on Oklahoma My compliment to you Oklahoma You Sooners Is how you compliment us the longhorns every time you do this (laughs) thank you you are using our sign to get your confidence you know all you really got to do if you want to get technical about it is turn over and now it's facing up again it's not that hard to do thank you i hope you get your own sign one day and you can be proud of that in the meantime welcome to keep putting horns down for us it is a backhanded
1: compliment. Well, they've Thank always you. been thieves, haven't they? The, the whole mascot is predicated <laughs> on running out there in the field and getting the land first. It was somebody else's. So, <laughs> uh, hey, Matthew McConaughey, uh, this has been such a pleasure, man. It's great talking to you, and the book was awesome, man. I can honestly say it went fast. People should go check it out. Green lights, lots of answers in there, and a uh, really introspective look. Thanks again, Matthew. Right on, Chris. I enjoyed it, man. Yeah, man. Have Take a good easy, one, brother. Yes.